The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your host, Uncanny Thomas Logue, and astonishing Amy Logue. All right, so Amy and I just got done seeing X-Men Dark Phoenix. So if you've not seen it, stop. Spoilers ahead. Uh, We will be discussing stuff about the movie. What did you think about the movie? I told you in the car. Yeah, but they weren't listening in the car, so you have to say it again. Okay, it's better than Fantastic Four. That doesn't take much. It's better than Iron Man 3. That doesn't take much. It's actually, honestly, one of the better X-Men movies I've seen, and I'm not a big X-Men movie fan. So, as me and Micah have discussed, um, both of us were heavily influenced into getting into comics due to the X-Men. And so we are admittedly kind of picky about how the X-Men movies are portrayed. And uh, I admit, like, almost every X-Men movie we've had so far, I've not been a fan of. And like you said, this is probably one of the better X-Men movies that they've done. They tried. They tried real hard. And honestly, most of my complaining is, like, trivial stuff. Other than they call it Dark Phoenix, and it has really nothing to do. If you're a comic book fan and you're thinking you're going to go see the Dark Phoenix storyline... It's not. Stop. It's not. It's not even close. It's not even remotely close to the Dark Phoenix storyline. One of my gripes with the movie was when Jean Grey first goes to Magneto um, after she's left Xavier. Why don't you start from the beginning of the movie? Because that's like right smack in the middle. Yeah, but I'm talking about a gripe I had. Okay. Because I'm talking about like the gripes we've had in the past with the movie. Oh, okay. And this is kind of small and trivial, but... When she goes to Magneto for help, and um, she's like, you know, I need you to help me. And she's got Raven's blood on her. And he's like, whose blood is that? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. Whose blood is that? I'm not going to tell you. And then the soldiers show up, which seems to be the most common enemy of the X-Men. Like, every time, it's always freaking soldiers. But when the soldiers show up, she loses it. And she starts doing weird stuff to the helicopter and, like, makes one of them crash for reasons I don't understand. And then she starts doing something with the second one. And then Magneto's trying to do it and that whole exchange of them like trying to control the helicopter seemed very odd and then he finally yells to the men get in the helicopter and get out of here and then he shoves the helicopter away real far and then she goes oh i thought you were gonna help me like you literally just went a little bonkers and then you're like oh i thought you were gonna help me like she was it was like a child i don't know it felt odd i didn't feel that writing at all i didn't understand it do you want to start from the beginning of the movie i think it would make more sense okay well you you start talking about stuff about the movie and i'll chime in well the beginning Beginning starts with basically how she kills what she thinks is her parents. It is her parents. Well, I know. I'm just saying how she thinks she kills her parents. So, um, you know, how she kind of like starts to lose it. And I think it's actually in part of the trailer. So everyone's kind of seen that part or whatever. And then um, Charles comes to the dad, which you don't see initially, but you'll see in flashbacks later in the movie. And he takes Jean and basically raises her. Yeah. And he um, puts up blocks in her head that protect her from the reality of what she did. So in essence, she was like, I don't know, she looked like she was eight years old. So her mom and dad are driving the car and her mom's driving, dad's in the passenger seat and it's 1975. And um, she was arguing about like, not really arguing, but discussing about how she wanted to listen to something different on the radio. And then suddenly the radio station just starts changing on its own. And at first the mom thinks it's the husband. He's like, it's not me and then it changes you know she moves it back and then she changes it again and she's like gene is that you and she's like it's not me and then um you know they put it back to the other station and it moves again and then they get into like a little bit of an argument and then she yells silence and it looks like just at that point that the car gets into an accident like it veers off hits the truck and mom is clearly dead because her neck looks snapped yeah but she says silence to like basically her mom and her and she does that thing where her mom passes out right but it doesn't look like that when you initially see it right that's what i'm saying then later on in the movie you get another flashback of that scene and you get like a different perspective where the dad is still awake where he tells gene oh you want it look all the way into my head and then you see that perspective where it looks like the mom is suddenly put to sleep and that's what causes the car to veer off she was driving yeah i guess we could just fast forward to basically you you literally said start at the beginning no 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 that's what i'm saying like well, then Xavier raises her, but right. we don't go through, like, her grade school or anything. Yeah. That we fast forward to, like, 1990. 
something, right? Yeah. Like basic with the challenger. Yes. So the group's a team now. It's um, well, Jean Grey, Cyclops. Mm-hmm. It's Beast. Yep. It's Nightcrawler. Yep. It's Storm. And then Mystique. And Mystique. As, and, as, as the, the leader. field leader. As the leader. Um, <clears throat> and so. Oh, uh, and Quicksilver. Oh, yeah. Quicksilver's on the team also. So. Oh, and then Hank is there too. So the challenger goes up into space. Everything's looking good. Everything's first. looking great. And then it runs into what they think is like a solar flare or something. Right? Yeah. They see something on the scanners and they're like, hey, you know, there's something in there. And then suddenly the challenger loses communication. They assume it's a solar flare that's uh, interfered with the communication and causes something with the engine to basically uh, start spinning. So they um, send the X-Men up to try to save the lives of all the astronauts. And so um, they go all the way up there and they see the Challenger and the Challenger's just spinning in circles because there's this it looks like a, It looks like a big red energy not sphere, but a big red energy shape that's clearly not a solar flare. Right. Because it's kind of like hanging there. And it basically is tearing the Challenger apart. Yeah, because the engines are spinning. What um, Mystique does is she tells Quicksilver and Nightcrawler to bamf over to the <laughs> to the um, the Challenger and grab all the astronauts and bring them back into um, the Black Hawk. You were so close. Black bird there you go blackbird sr-71 blackbird which is customized to go into space for the x-men so um so they all band back and everybody's great and yada 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 and they have like a minute to get out of there um, you're missing something you remember when he te- so quicksilver when they teleport onto the challenger quicksilver basically unfastens like their seat belts and stuff like that whatever you want to call it and starts grabbing them and throwing them towards nightcrawler and then they all teleport back and when they get back to the blackbird you remember the woman says that's Art. what I was just going to say. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you said everything was looking good. Everything was looking good. And then and the woman, the I was just about to say, one of the astronauts says. Okay, go. That their, um, their le- was it leader or their captain or whatever. Their commander. Their commander was in a different part of the ship and someone needed to go get them. So they had a minute to get out of there. So they made a quick. So, and at the same time, Mystique, I don't think it was even a minute. It was like 30 seconds. Cause you remember she says, set the timer. Right. Whatever. 30 seconds, a minute. You have to like get into the intensity of the moment. It wasn't a minute that they had. They could la 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 for a minute. It was like 30 seconds. No, I'm pretty sure it was a minute. But anyway, um, she's wrong. Like the bulls. Like the bulls. <laughs> so anyway, um, so she talks to professor X. And he said that he thinks that Gene can hold the Challenger together when Quicksilver bamps, not Quicksilver, but um, Nightcrawler bamps over to get the um, commander and bring them all back. Yeah, because the Challenger's literally, um, the the, the quote-unquote solar flare is now moving towards the Challenger, so the heat level is, like, rapidly rising. So that's why they only have, like, 20 seconds to get in and out, because... The heat level from the the solar flare, I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, uh, is what is going to rip the Challenger apart. So he does that. and um, Why did you give me a dirty look? That's literally what it was. No, because you went from 30 seconds to 20 seconds now. Well, they teleported. (laughs) They've burned 10 seconds now. Anyway. It was probably 20 anyway. So anyway, um, he bams over, he gets him. And then right when he went, he goes to grab Gene, it, everything kind of explodes out. He bamps himself back with the with commander the back into the ship. And Gene starts to basically absorb all the red energy that's out there. And then she starts to float out there. And she's just floating. Then Nightcrawler, who's actually wearing all this gear now that's duct taped to him, um, <laughs> goes out there, gets Jean, brings her back. And then they all go back. But they ask her, like, how's she feeling? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm feeling great. When they get back, they do. Um, Professor Xavier says, hey, you know, I get it that you're feeling great, but just let Hank run that test on you. And when he does, he's like, hey, you're like literally off the charts. Like, I don't mean that figuratively. You're literally off the charts. And she was like, what does that mean? He's like, I need to build a better machine that can actually read your stats. Because he says something. Um, she He thinks it, but then she reads his mind and says, what do you mean it can't be right? And he said, all of your power levels are like intensified. In, yeah, intensified greatly. And also at this moment in time in the movie, like, everybody loves a mutant. So the reason the X-Men go up to save the astronauts is the president has called on the X-Men. Like, Professor Xavier, we find out, has built a relationship with the president basically saying, hey, we're here for times when 
you guys can't do it. And his whole idea is to build that relationship between uh, human and mutant. So when the X-Men go and you save all these great American icons who are, you know, space shuttle challenger people, uh, everyone loves the X-Men now. So the X-Men actually have a positive vibe. So then they're back and Jean's feeling great. But at this time, Mystique is starting to be weary of Professor X because she, as much as she loves him, she's starting to feel like the team is being used to press the mutant agenda more so than should be. She gets into a discussion with him and calls him out on it. Basically goes on to say that you're willing to sacrifice us for the mutant agenda and he at first argues but then he lets it slip and he says yes yes I would. He is willing to sacrifice the team to better the relationship with mutant and human. To put a pin on that going back Mystique did not want to go get the commander she just wanted to leave. Yeah she didn't think it was worth the risk. It was worth the risk of her team but Professor X pushed her into it so that's why she's a little you know bitter but in dealing with that she talks to hank this is where it gets really impossible to put together the x-men timeline yeah it starts to get a little wonky because she's she goes up to hank and says you know hey i've had it with professor x hank says something like well this is our life you know this is this is the life the change that we made and she's like well let's make a change like let's go do something with our lives let's not be x-men whatever let's live in the world that we created we created i'm gonna leave the x-men and basically hank manages to convince her to, to stay. stay so where we go next is they're at a party jean's got basically all the x-men students go to that school oh, who are also mutant. yeah and so that's what i was gonna get to jeez spoiler alert you see that all the all the mutant students are at this party and you can see a girl who has all this light with all these sparklers around her. And singing. Yeah, and singing. And as it zooms towards her, she's got the blue makeup on, she's got the white outfit, she's got the blonde hair, and I immediately nudge Amy because, much to my surprise, I did not know this was coming, they put Dazzler in the movie. And she's in it just for that 15 to 30 seconds where Mm -hmm. she's singing. To me, that was probably one of the most awesome parts because I get to nudge my wife, who I'm seeing the movie with for the first time because she is a huge Dazzler fan. I'm not a Dazzler fan. Do you or did you not have a Dazzler figure at your work? You bought it for me. Because you're a Dazzler fan. (laughs) Do you want to go into why you're a Dazzler fan? No. So I'll tell you why she's a Dazzler fan. So a long time ago when she and I lived in a different state, different time, whatever, we were playing the Marvel role-playing game, which is, uh, if you're familiar with it, I always call it Face Rip. It was just me and her, so I was like, okay, go ahead and design your mutant, whatever. And so she makes up her mutant. And I, even, I forgot what your power was. So, you know, being a mutant, I was like, oh, okay, well, as the as the DM, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to drop a sentinel on her. And so, like, the sentinel comes up, and she's at the movie theater, and it's like, mutant detected. And she runs, and it's like trying to catch her. And so what she does to hide from the sentinel is she runs into the crowd and uses the crowd for cover, which is top-notch hero business. But then when she, you know, the, the book comes with, like, the naked version of how you can just trace something to make a costume she had drawn a costume with like the big boots and stuff like that it kind of reminded me of dazzler's costume not intentionally no roller skates or anything like that so it became an ongoing joke that she likes dazzler and she proclaims that she doesn't but i think she does a new dazzler figure is coming out by the way it's got the uh, australia costume guess who's getting that for christmas when it comes out (laughs) so anyway we get to see dazzler in the movie and this is where the x-men are at and they're having a good time and they're partying and stuff and gene and scott are hanging out chugging what i assume assumed to be alcohol because it's like this weird purple drink and she chugs one down and then she chugs another one down and then she just keeps on chugging yeah and this is where this is like where i think it's weird that they do things that i think are supposed to be funny but i i don't catch it or i don't think it's funny is like so scott goes over to storm and was like hey need some ice and so storm just goes and makes like six ice cubes into their cups I thought that was, I mean, it's like weird things where I think that's supposed to be funny. Like, oh, she used her power to make ice cubes. Well, that was the other thing, too, that I kind of felt like. I'm like, oh, so it's totally cool now at, like, the mansion if you're a teenager because you're on campus <laughs> and to drinking. be drinking alcohol. Well, yeah. And, and they're, all being, they're all being watched, obviously. If you take that out of the way, like, of course, like, if you're, like, a teenage mutant and that was your power, you'd probably do that. <laughs> so, you just make ice for your friends. Yeah. Like, where's Iceman? Like, I'm Storm. So, anyway... 
so she's chugging back drinks, whatever. Scott says, hey, do you know what the kids call you? They call you Phoenix because, you know, it's like you died and you're reborn. That she looks into the bonfire. And starts seeing all this, like, the red energy. And she, once again, she goes, silence! And then, like, causes this, like, not explosion, but this, like, sonic wave, mm-hmm. basically, that knocks everything down around her. She's laying in bed, and you remember, this is what sets her off, is Professor Xavier, Hank, and Mystique go into Cerebro, and he tries to read her mind, but can't, because, you know, her power's off the scale now, and it's probably because solar energy, um, which is, I guess, supposed to be the Phoenix Force. So when he tries to read her mind, he can't, so they use um, Cerebro to go in there and, like... You learn while they're there because Mystique is like, is this how it always looks? And he's like, it varies from person to person. Rain is very fragile. I put up walls to help her deal with stuff. And this is where we learn that he had blocked off pain. Like he blocked off the fact that she was the reason her parents died, that she believes anyway. While he was in there, she could feel him in there and she started to wake up and she was just kind of like, get out of my head. But at the same time, she could hear her dad's voice. Yes. Which who she thought was dead. Right. So that's what ultimately woke her up. Yeah. So she basically says, get out of my head. She knocks out Xavier. Scott comes running in. Yeah. And she said that she needs to go. And he said, no. So back in the beginning, when she went to go into the Challenger, when she was just normal, like she said to him, she's like, I'll always come back to you. So he was just like, you need to come back to me. She's in a totally different mindset now. She's like, knows that her dad's still alive now. She can hear him. And she went went to go find him. And at the same time, Mystique is putting together the fact that like Charles is really screwed with this eight-year-old. Yeah, you know, like she's, he's put up all of these things around her and manipulated, manipulated her, her a, a little bit in 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 Mystique's eyes, and I think in Charles' eyes he was trying to protect her. So she goes off running into this small town. So she returns to where she lived in this small town, as you said, and goes into the house uh, where she used to live, and she finds her dad there. And her dad is, like, shocked to see her on, you know, his front door. And you can tell he's very nervous being around her. Like, it's clear that her being there was a shock to him. So she notices that there's literally in the house, there's not a single picture of her. It's only a picture of her dad and mom together. So Jean confronts her dad and was like, why are there no pictures here of me? Like, you never went looking for me. You never searched for me. And like gets angry and her skin starts to rip with the fiery energy. She says, why didn't you ever look for me? Don't lie to me. I can read your mind. And that's when he says, well, go ahead and look in my mind. And like I said earlier, that's where we see the flashback again of, you know, them being in the car when she's eight and the car flipping when she says silence which puts her mom to sleep and she realizes that she's the reason that the mom is dead meanwhile back at the mansion a part i think that we skipped that we probably should start to integrate now is there's this random dinner party at a beautiful house yeah this is another problem i had yeah and while you go into the party, you hear the dog. It's just like barking and barking and barking and barking. And the uh, couple that's having the party. Real quick, right before that. So you do see like before before the dog starts barking and stuff, you do see like this beautiful lake uh, or ocean area, whatever it's supposed to be. But it looks like all these nice lake houses are there. And you do see three lights come down and one goes straight down and then two veer off to the left and right. So you know it looks like aliens have landed. And then that's when the dog starts barking. Right. So it's the traditional thing where the dog barks when it senses aliens. The couple who were having the party were entertaining their guests. And then the um, female goes, I'm just going to go check on the dog. You know, and he goes, oh, she'll be fine. And he goes, she's like, no, she just keeps on barking. So then she goes out and checks on the dog. And the dog is basically just barking, but only like, it's not running forward anymore. It's just standing next to like a tree, a tree, let's just say. Well, it is. But um, it's barking and barking and barking and barking. And she goes, what do you see? What do you see? And then all of a sudden you see a figure come out. Yeah, you see several, actually. You can see them in the background moving yeah. between the trees. And then... Yeah, you hear her, like it pans away. And you hear her scream and the dog kind of yelp. And then it just gets quiet. Yeah. And then she comes back to the dinner and basically is this alien, which... But looks like herself. But looks like herself. Yeah. 
and kills everybody. Whoever the actress is, she already looks like... Jessica Chastain. Yeah, she already looks like pale. Well, she looked more alive when she left than when she came back. That's what I was going to say. When she does come back, like, her face actually looks like it's thinner and stuff like that. So she looks different. And husband's like, hey, you know, whatever your name is, what happened to you? And she basically takes her hand and touches his stomach and he just kneels over and dies. Like, it pans away again. You hear everyone else in the party screaming as other aliens are walking up onto the deck. And they're taking over their shells. Yeah, they're taking over their And here's my problem. I don't like any part of the alien story. And that's the thing. So when we were talking, I totally forgot about the alien thing. uh, Probably because I didn't like it. And then when you said, oh, we should talk about the alien thing, I was like, oh. Yeah, there was something I really didn't like about the movie. And that was it. Yeah. So first of all, you never get an idea who these aliens are. We We never get a name. No, never. You get a name of a planet, but that's it. And it's not a planet I recognize as a comic book fan, but it may be one that I just don't know. They never call each other by whatever their race name is. Like They never call her, who's the leader, yeah. her name. At first, I thought they were just doing a variation of scrolls where they you know, stab someone, they absorb their DNA. So it's not like the scrolls we know for comics, or it's not the scrolls we know from MCU, but it's like a variation of the scrolls. But we never hear the name scroll in there. And, but we don't But then know. we don't know, because they don't say it. And the name of the planet they mention is like Gravar or something like that, and that's not a Shi'ar planet. Anyway. They, they were a bad part of the story. Going back to where we were before, she's with her dad. She just figured out that she killed her mom. And then, like, the house starts shaking. And he's like, stop it. And she's like, it's not me. <laughs> it's them. They're Which, as, as the dad, wouldn't that freak you out? Yeah. Like, your house is shaking, and she says it's not me. And the last time, like, the radio station changed on its own, and she said it's not me, the wife died. So it's like her saying it's not me, that would be a trigger word for me of, like, oh, it's you. You just don't know it. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, I said this to Tom in the movie theater, because it's a, like, it's a town street. It's not like yeah. it's a random farm or something like that, right? <laughs> but apparently, they can park that, like, plane anywhere they want to. The SR-71 Blackbird. Yeah. It just Which is fit. not a small plane. It's no. a big plane. It basically fit into, like, like a driveway. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Literally, all you see is the front of the plane and them getting off, and you're like, where are the wings? Like, how did they park this? <laughs> so she starts to freak out. She says... He shouldn't have come. He shouldn't have come. They're all trying to, like... Um, talk her down, Talk basically. her down. Poor Scott. Come back to me. Jesus. Yeah. You said you'd come back to me. Come back to me, Jean. And one by one, she just kind of flings them off. Charles has no power over her anymore because he can't even see into her brain. So the last person. Before we get to the last person, what I love, though, is it looks like Beast has a taser gun. I'm assuming it's more than a taser gun, but it literally looks like a taser gun. It was just weird. And here's another problem I had with the whole thing. She hadn't done anything yet. Like, she hadn't, like, started destroying things yet. Yeah. You know? But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, three police cars start showing up. How do they get there so fast? My assumption is, as we said, it looks like a small town. It looks like a rinky-dinky, like, this is a one-stoplight kind of town. So what I assume triggered those cops was not the fact that it was Gene or anything like that, but I think the parking of the SR-71 Blackbird is what triggered the cops. Okay. That, I mean, that but makes that's, a little more sense. That's my only logic, is that cops basically saw a plane land in their town and were like, uh... But I don't know why they would have their sirens wailing or I know. So the sirens basically trigger her. So then the team starts to try to tell her to calm down so they can leave. She starts to freak out. And so she destroys the police car. She starts flinging people places. It just becomes like a hot mess in this town. Yeah. It literally goes zero to ten in like a heartbeat. And then the only person that starts to get close to her is Mystique. So Mystique's getting closer and closer and trying to talk her down and talk her down. She flings Mystique away from her and she literally flings Mystique right through a um, two by four that's been cut in half. So we get to watch Mystique die, which is probably one of the better parts of the movie. I felt like it was like they were trying really hard to like do the play from like Endgame where people are starting to die now, you know? Yeah. And I tried. I tried really hard to feel sad or any emotion. No. And there was really none there. Speak- well, even, even when even when Beast talks to her. Oh, yeah. And she's like trying to say, I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, I. I, I, I can't get any air in my lungs. Well, if you didn't say, I can't get any air in my lungs, you might have been able to say, I love you. It might have been really funny if she did, like, the... Um, the whistle? The whistle. So, one thing, since you mentioned Endgame, 
There's a scene in Avengers Endgame, and if you haven't seen it, too bad, no spoiler for you. There's a scene where all the women come together, and it's a really, really cool, like, 15-second scene where they say, hey, you know, she, she's got help and stuff like that. There's a scene in this movie where Mystique tells Xavier, hey, just so you know, most of the women are the ones saving the, the men in this thing. Maybe you should call it X-Women. And I was like, that has got to be right up there with dumb lines as Storm saying, Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Just felt like dumb. I don't know. She's supposed to be the strong, powerful, mature person, and that came across like childish. Like that's what I would expect, like from an eight-year-old character to be like. Yeah, maybe you should call this the X Women instead. That's been my problem with the X Men from the start. I don't feel like they they do anything to develop the characters. They they all feel like anyone could have said that line. It could have been Beast who said that line. Anyway, go on. So that she destroys the cops. She freaks out, throws Mystique into a uh, severed two by four, and then go on. They quickly clean up. <laughs> and and bring people back to the mansion. Like Quicksilver gets hurt because he does that thing where they do the bullet time and you know, Jean Grey has like shattered a house and he's basically jumping from board to board to board to get to Jean and he's running up towards her because she's floating up in the air and she moves so quickly, even in bullet time, that she basically moves the board that he's about to step on. Basically speeds you know, re- returns bullet time to normal speed again and he's literally running at a super speed and has no board to step on so he goes running and basically skids across the road into the street across across the way and so he's literally carried out on like a little hospital bed thing by the x-men and then beast uh, is seen when they're leaving the plane he's basically carrying raven uh in his arms so then they they bury raven that's the thing. So, like, even Professor Xavier's speech about Raven was not even, like, a, a tearjerker. Like, there were no tearjerker moments in no. this movie. There should have been, you know, if these characters were done correctly. I feel like there should have been plenty of tearjerking moments. Like, I mean, you can just make Cap come back from the past, and I'm a crying baby. If Iron Man say, you know, I am Iron Man, and snap his fingers, and I'm a crying baby. There's nothing in this movie that um, even remotely tugged at my heartstring. And how long was this movie? Like an hour and a half? I, you know, I didn't, I did not keep track of how long it was. Well, it felt really long. <laughs> so after that, um, the X-Men flee and do not manage to capture Jean because she just flies away. Jean basically lands somewhere where she's almost like she's homeless. Uh, she's just on the street crying, like saying, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And she's trying to basically rub the blood off of her. And so you can tell like she's going back and forth between this dark phoenix entity and basically Jean Grey. So then now that she's her normal Jean Grey self, this is when she goes to Magneto um, to seek his help because he's established an island, which I imagine I think it's supposed to be like Genosha. It's a sanctuary for mutants. Um, it looks like a Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, it's very Mad Max. Like uh, Magneto's home is basically a boat that's been cut in half and then flipped. Yeah, he side. lives in metal. But then you see this African-American dude who I assumed was Bishop, but turns out it's, it's not. It's not. It's, um, it's a dude from, he was a villain in X-Force. I want to say his name is Whip but I can't get the Iron Man villain out of my head, so I can't remember if it's... Cobra hair? But it's it's the dude who basically uses his hair as a whiplash. He's one of the externals, if I remember correctly. So she goes and tries to seek his help. Yeah, and this is the scene where I talked about where soldiers show up, she freaks out on one, destroys a helicopter. And then he said, just leave. Yeah, and then he says, so she leaves. Um, she ends up being found by the, the blonde alien chick. Like who, scary Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Who basically says... Um, I know what you are. Yeah. She finds her in the bar because you see Jean is using, I'm assuming, her telepathy to make herself look like an old man. Scary Jessica shows up and was like, hey, I know who you are. Are you the little girl who follows a man in a wheelchair or are you something else and she's like i don't know who oh. i am and she's like you know who you are you're the girl that everyone abandons nice scary jessica's kind of a 
<laughs> Alien Jessica basically explains to her the power that she took in is this power that her race has been chasing because it destroyed their planet. And we still don't know who they are. No, just the aliens. When Jean absorbed all this red light energy, yeah. they were actually right behind the red light in their spaceship. So they do so a they, flashback that they shows watch, that. Yeah, they watched that she was able to absorb it all and she basically says to her like, oh, you're the chosen one. So then she brings her back to this like mansion and she walks in and sees the other alien guys and then they walk upstairs and that's when, you know, Jessica explains to Jean about the whole like you're the light and everything like that. The leader of the aliens downstairs, which is, I don't know, the lieutenant, I guess I would call him. Um, he basically said to the other ones like if she can't control her then we're going to have to do something. Yeah. Magneto has a group of people around the world that can like tell him like basically where anyone is at any time. And Professor X taps into Magneto's head and then when Magneto figures out where, where Jean is then that's when basically the X-Men figure out where Jean is. Uh, one thing we did skip is by this point Hank has left the X-Men to join Magneto. He wants oh, to kill Jean Grey. Let's just like so they all end up together at the park literally across the street from the mansion in New York. Yes. And they're fighting each other because there's four of them that want to kill Jean and four of them that want to save Jean. Right? Great how that worked out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so they're fighting, 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 fighting. There's a lot of like fighting to be the person that goes through the door first. first. Trains are being pulled up. Yeah, and... so Magneto pulls out. Not What is that called? A subway. Yeah, subway yeah, train. Pulls up the subway. He, he pulls up a subway train from underneath. These poor people that were just tourists on a, on a, a, a bus. But what's really funny to me, like these little like nuances that I guess when you're watching a movie that you're kind of bored in, you start to look at it more. If somebody like is having this epic fight around you and you're on a tourist double-decker bus with no top, with no on, top. The, on the second. And poop's just flying everywhere. Yeah, Not and, literal poop. Like just, like, there's just building stuff pieces. flying <laughs> everywhere. Don't stay up there. Yeah, yeah. Go, go downstairs. Yeah, but they're tourists. Maybe they're like, <laughs> they're photo op, <laughs> selfie. When the subway came out, there were people in the subway, and the subway people like made eye contact with, with the, the bus decker. people. Yeah. The guy who I thought was Bishop, and I'm calling Whiplash because I can't remember his proper name. The scenes with him fighting were actually really cool. I actually thought they did a good job. I was like a dude who controls hair, but they did a good job making his power look pretty cool. Yep. So... <laughs> I don't. I can tell you agree so much. Well, I yep. didn't really care for the whole thing, but okay. Um, you well, well not right, like I didn't care on. for it. It's just I felt like that fight went on too long. Nightcrawler ended up bamfing in Professor, Professor X Dave, yeah. into the foyer. Evil. Is it foyer or foyer? I've always called it foyer. It's it's spelled like foyer, but I think it's foyer. I've said it wrong all my life, and no one's corrected me. Um, so they're on the top of, you know, the, sta the, the stairs. The banister. The banister. And evil Jessica and Jean Grey are having a conversation. A heart-to-heart. -heart. And they're having a heart-to-heart. -heart. Evil Jessica. Right is basically telling her everything that she can do and accomplish. And Professor X is like, don't do it. Relax, don't do it. Right. When <laughs> but, you go it. but Jean's like pissed. Wow. So, well, first of all, she like pushes Nightcrawler away. And then leaves Charles there. And then he says, Jean, you can control this. You can do anything you put your mind to. And then what does Jean do? She said, I, I, I need you to walk to me. Yeah, and he says, it's, you know I can't do that. And then, and then, so she pulls him up off the chair. She destroys his chair, and then she makes Professor X walk up the stairs. Yes, and I don't like in pain too. In pain, like his and I don't. Legs, it's he's like a puppet basically, so he's kind of just being dragged. And I don't know why this scene existed. Exists. Yeah, it took so, him a long time to get up the stairs. Because there's like at least like twenty five steps. Yeah, and we had to sit through every one of those steps with his. Yeah, his feet banging against the stairs and stuff like that. So he gets to the top. Jean looks at evil alien Jessica and says, please take it away. And then she said, just give it to me. So she hugs her. Yeah, well, and the power is being transferred. transferred. And then Cyclops runs in at that that's point. That's what I said, Scott. When he comes running in, he shoots her off her. Yeah. Because at one certain moment, Professor X kind of sees Jean. No, first of all, she, he sees evil Jessica and realizes at that moment she said, we're going to destroy all of you. Yeah, and, and then, he also says, what are you? Because I don't think he can read her mind because she's an alien. Right. And then that's when he told Jean, he goes, you need to let go. You need to let go. Because had Scott not like like hit her zapped off, her, zapped yeah. her, 
the, it, the movie would have been over. Yeah, she would have got so, complete power. So then, so it, that started happening first, and we were probably like 65% into the download before Scott like <laughs> pulled, the, pulled the plug, plug picked up, up the phone. Beep! <laughs> Mom, I'm on the phone! Um, and so then shoots evil alien Jessica through a wall. Through a wall, and then Jean collapses. Yes. So she still has some of the power. Power. But then, go ahead. The police Like always. Like always. Who's the one to fight the X-Men? The cops. So they start now now like basically all of the X-Men are laid out outside. Like, it's it's the same thing that they did in Deadpool. It's a mutant dampening collar. Yeah, and then pulled them. <laughs> yeah, that's what was odd. They pulled them. They had like little clamps that they put around their head and they were just pulling them instead of like, well, they have no power. Like, why are you not picking them up? So they had these weird clamp things. It's, this is what I mean. They had like little weird things that I don't understand like like the point of. Like pulling them like, like a mop. Yeah. You know, I'm like. Like, I don't understand why they just didn't show a scene where it shows them clamping those neck things on them and then just cut to them being in the train. Yeah. Like, I don't know. why do we have so them So we spent be, a like, couple dragged. of minutes watching them use the X-Men as mops. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both uh, Professor X's team and Magneto's team are all caught and, and put on this X train. Oh, yeah. And, and then Jean also yeah, gets yeah. captured. So then they put them all on the train. The train, which is now being escorted by helicopters, because helicopters have worked so well in the past fighting the X Men. Where are they taking them? Uh, probably just a government facility. Who knows? Like they the don't... local jail. Yeah, they never really say, but it's obviously like government officials who have come in and basically taken the mutants somewhere. Oh, because they do talk about when Jean loses loses her the first time and kind of destroys the little town this is how quickly um apparently people turn is in the news you hear in the background that they're going to enforce mutant sanctions once again even though just a moment ago the x-men were heroes hooray now they're going to impose mutant sanctions on anyone whose power is considered essentially anyone power who is dangerous is going to be sanctioned so this is probably where they're going to take them is to some mutant uh concentration camp kind of thing crazy how fast their government works crazy right (laughs) we can't get anything done that quickly they're gonna build a wall around yeah they're just gonna make build a wall we don't know who's gonna pay for that wall around the x-men but the mutants we're will. gonna build a wall okay so they're all on the train they're all awake now and one guy what's so interesting i don't know if you caught this speaking of when they're all shackled up did you notice that they had a shackle on nightcrawler and they also had a shackle on his tail yes that was so so bizarre like how does his tail not just slide out of that shackle it didn't look like it was like airtight I don't know. Whatever. In the moment they're in this train, Professor X and Cyclops start to tell everybody else that it's not Gene, but it's this like that he saw the real Gene. And then there's like it's like an alien. Yeah, and they buy it pretty quickly. There's no like aliens because they've not run into aliens yet in the X Men universe. What you'll notice when the policemen walk in is one of the guys looks at Nightcrawler and he says, "You're my my son's favorite." Yeah, my son believed in you. Yeah, and. So that'll come back to play later. It's probably like the saddest moment was that scene when it comes back. <laughs> Lo and behold, aliens show up. The aliens catch up to the train without the helicopters spotting them or anything like that. They were inside the tunnel. I did not notice and then, that. And then you started to hear the boom, 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 uh, boom. They get around really quick. They're very they are coming for Jean. So they start fighting inside the train. the train. At this point, you know, the X-Men are like, there's no way that you're going to beat them without us. And then they're getting closer and closer. And then the one guy that told Nightcrawler that his he was his... believed in. Yeah, was the one that actually let them all out. They are literally using machine guns to try to shoot these aliens. And they're literally healing as quickly as they're being shot. I can't tell, like, when they were fighting, if, like, they got thrown. Did they come back? Like, some they, of them did. Some of them did, right? Because the girl got thrown off and somehow she caught up to the train again i know it's just like it was like a weird like i don't know it was very weird professor x who has no chair now told scott you need to bring me back to gene so they're like limping back there slowly to get to gene because obviously gene's on the last first train the first train so then the aliens are attacking everything's going crazy and one of the female aliens that we see from almost the start of the party stuff she goes and she goes to punch the guard who let the x-men and magneto's team out and the one who said hey you know my son believed in you goes to punch him and Nightcrawler tries to grab him and teleport away in time but he doesn't. She does manage to land the punch and it does look like he perishes. So that's probably the saddest part of the movie. And at that point when he dies, Nightcrawler loses his 
and goes completely crazy. He starts teleporting all over the train. He's literally grabbing the aliens by their neck with his tail and snapping their neck. He's like stabbing them a hundred times as he's teleporting around them. So he's doing all this cool stuff. So that was actually probably my favorite scene of the whole movie is when Nightcrawler goes crazy for like a good 30 seconds. It was it was awesome to see. Like I will give them this. The way they do Nightcrawler's power in this movie is perfect. They nailed Nightcrawler and his powers perfectly. So yeah, he goes crazy, kills a bunch of aliens, throws the woman who punched the the officer off. Later on, we see her back on the train somehow, so there's that. Magneto tries to defend Jean, so he gets in front of that cart and basically seals it off with metal and tries to stop the alien. He basically lifts up every single gun that's in this chamber, fires it at evil alien Jessica and fills her with bullets but she just keeps walking and walking like doesn't even slow down shows no sign that she's even an ounce of pain and so she flings Magneto aside and she gets into the cart and she flings God aside and then it's just Professor X Jean and her yes and then Professor X, he says, I can't get into your mind, but you can get into mine. And then she reads into his mind about all the good things that have happened, how things really happened. Yeah. You know? And she realizes that... He did as, not do it out of malice. Right. He did it out of love, actually. She's like, you want this power? And she just breaks her own chains, floats up in the air, and then takes the back carts and just squishes them all. Remember, she protects the x and She puts them all in like circular like globes. Yeah. And then just squishes the rest of the carts but the rest of the X-Men are basically seeing like all this stuff being squished around them and she basically takes the train and flings it off lets it like crash off to the side and then it crashes into I don't know looks like a construction yard area and then that's where you know Jean's like fighting off aliens like basically turning them to dust they're like all trying to jump on her and stuff like that and she's like Stops him in midair, turns him to dust. Stops him in midair, turns him to dust. So well, the, somebody actually stabbed her, oh, yeah. and she pulled out. <laughs> yeah, it turned to dust. It turned so, to dust. And so basically, Evil Jessica catches up to Jean, and they're fighting. And then Scott is too close to where all this energy is being emitted from, and you can see like the flesh on his hand is being ripped apart. Also, and he's like, "Jean, come back to me." <laughs> it's the only line. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only line he had to memorize for the whole movie. Is where's Jean? And Jean, come back to me. Jean was ready to be like you know what whatever if you want this power it's yours but then she sees that it's killing all yeah. of her and family yeah and the girl says the evil jessica says if you kill me you'll never be able to control this you can just give me the power and it'll be all mine and gene knows that's not going to work also so gene and evil jessica fly up straight into space and gene cuts loose you basically get the impression that Jean takes it all in and basically burns Evil Jessica to dust because you see Evil Jessica starts falling apart as all this energy is being transferred back to Jean. And then there's a big explosion and it goes... And then you see what is clearly uh, a montage to the Phoenix, a actual fiery Phoenix in space. And then Scott's like, but Jean, come back to me. We go to you know scott and he's putting up a new sign yeah you see scott carrying a sign it looks like he's walking towards the front and immediately i knew they're making a reference to a fairly modern comic where they say it is the school of the gifted gene gray school of the, of the gifted instead of uh the xavier whatever mm -hmm. school of the gifted so they rebrand the school as gene gray school beast has taken over Every. professor xavier's uh place as yep. head of the school Yep, and, then, and then all of the rest of the team basically are like, you know, teachers. Yeah. Uh, this kid like runs by really fast and Quicksilver's like, hey, no running. So that kid who runs by really fast um, it just has that color from Mohawk. He is clearly a nod to a fairly new character that I can't stand called Quagmire, Quagmire, whatever his name is. It's QQ in the comics. Mm. Can't stand him. So anyway, so, School of the Gifted for Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. And, stuff and like so that. everything kind of goes back to normal. Yeah. And then the last scene you see is Professor X. He's in France and he's sitting outside. <laughs> he's sitting outside in a cafe drinking coffee. And then obviously Magneto shows up with a chessboard mm -hmm. and he goes, One more game. One more game. And he's like, No. And then Magneto holds out both hands and he says, For old time's sake. And makes him pick one and he picks the white, white one you know, and then the white rook picks the black one 
And then did you notice what is seen in the background as they're playing chess? Yeah, no, that too. But as they're playing chess, you do see the phoenix streak across the sky. Oh, a fiery I, didn't, bird. I didn't see that. And then if you're wondering if there's any stingers at their end, no, there is not. I sat and waited, and there's only blackness. So in the beginning, when we were talking about this, you said that it was probably one of the best X-Men movies. But now that we've spoken about it, has your feeling changed now that we've brought up stuff that I think we both forgot? No, because I dislike the other movies more. So it's still one of the best <laughs> X-Men movies. Real quick, real quick. So obviously I've mentioned that I'm a big fan of the X-Men comics. Um, I began collecting X-Men at Uncanny X-Men 121. So I actually got to read the Dark Phoenix saga as it happened, as the issues were released. My wife was so fortunate. Did I make you read those? Yes. She read them, but she pro- you don't probably have them memorized like I do. No. Um, it became very clear very quickly that it was not going to be the Dark Phoenix from the comics, which is fine. Um, comics frequently do that. They take a storyline that's sort of supposed to be like the Age of Ultron and completely change it around. Um, this one I felt like it could have worked, but there was a bunch of just odd stuff that... Um, Wasn't explained. Yeah, that didn't sit well with me, like the aliens and stuff like that. And how it seems like it's called the Dark Phoenix, but then it's also about Phoenix giving up the power and stuff like that. So it was really weird. I still managed to, I mean, for what it was, I did manage to enjoy it. Like you said, it is probably the best X-Men movie released so far. If you were to tell someone who is not familiar with the Dark Phoenix storyline at all from the comic books, and you were to say, I rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put it? You know what's really funny is that I actually think if you were not familiar with any of the comics and you didn't watch any of the MCU movies... Hmm you would probably like this movie. I agree. I have a friend, a mutual friend, who doesn't watch any movies, but she'll watch one or two. Yeah. And then I don't think she's going to know the difference between this, that one, that one, No, she one. will think probably she the X-Men is... movie somehow ties into the other MCU. Yeah. it all says Well, not Marvel even that, but it's just entertaining for yeah. her. Yeah. So it's like... She doesn't care that, like, the plane can land anywhere or this, like, there's no explanation about the aliens because I think somebody who doesn't watch these type of movies isn't really interested in details like we are. Yeah, they just want to be entertained. Right. Cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. All right. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you did, please post it around, share it, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your family, tell the friends of the family to come by, check it out, listen to it, because we do not pay for any form of advertising on our site. It is all like commercial free. So we basically um, thrive off of word of mouth. All right. And that'll do it for this week's episode of the Comic Relief Podcast with your host, Uncanny Thomas Logue and... Astonishing Amy Logue. Thank you. Um, we're not doing an Amy's Corner. No, because there's no shows. That yes, there show. is. What show? Mediterranean. Blowjack. No. Mediterranean. No. That show. No. It just started. Okay, what do you want to talk about? Because I don't know anything about this one. Well, it's only the first show. I, I still didn't watch it, though. I didn't catch all of it. Oh, okay. Do you want to talk about it? Just you can if you want to talk about. No, it. I mean it's just I mean so the, but the crew is like Captain Sandy. You know Captain Sandy. Captain Sandy, yes. And then um, Hannah. Yes. And then there and her two stews, her her two um, stews below her, her second and her third, who looks very similar to me. I can't tell them <laughs> apart yet. One has an accent, one doesn't. One's from. Uh, New Zealand and it's kind of raunchy and the other one's not and very sweet. And then the third stew is actually used to be a chef yeah. on a boat, a smaller boat. And then we have um, the guy from the other show. I can't remember his name right now. Not Colin. Well, Colin's there. Colin and then, and then there's a guy who... Um, Basically, is from the UK who has curly, long hair, who looks to be about, he's pretty lazy. Anywho, I'll know more about it later, but currently after the first show, I think we actually watched the second show, where um, the chef... There's a few episodes in because... We're on the third episode. Yeah, because the chef makes a crack about like the gay lifestyle and Sandy has a girlfriend. Right. Sandy being a female, the captain of the ship. So the first episode, it was like a group of people. They seem really nice. Very, very nice. And the Sandy was all excited about the chef because she was like a cordon bleu, like trained. She's from Russia. 
And so they asked for Mexican food, and she made the worst nachos. Yeah, and then in the most recent one... She tried to make a cake. I wasn't thinking about the cake, but didn't she also make shrimp? I didn't catch it, no, but no, I remember... next week. That's oh, next okay. Week. So basically the first charter went... It was two episodes for the first charter, and it went okay, and the people were really nice, and they were probably how it would be like if Tom and I were on our cruise like we would be like if oh, we had that money if we had that money we're like oh we're so it's great but the food's probably not like like we're not going to be like over snotty about things or anything like that we're not going to complain if it's chicken right <laughs> but um but it doesn't seem like this girl who's the chef really knows what she's doing yeah so it'll be interesting this week because um next week there's actually like a group that's coming on that professionally goes on these cruise ships and they asked for certain food and like they she asked for crab so she didn't get fresh crab she got crab out of a can yeah so we'll see how it goes well i think it was on the first episode where i called it that the uh, the current chef is gonna get booted because we see a preview where she, where Captain Sandy says something about your position is redundant, so we're getting rid of you. You're fired, and I have a feeling that's the current chef. And then the others, the other, the uh, third stew comes. Back yeah, up. the other stew is gonna take over as the chef. Yeah, because the um, previews for this week, the Hannah tells the third stew, she's like, "I need you in the kitchen." Yeah, so I have a feeling that chef is getting. Shoo-shoo. Yeah. I'd like to give a special thanks to Adam Johnson, who did the heavy metal version of the classic X-Men animated cartoon series theme song that you hear in the beginning and the end. You can find Adam Johnson's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash AJHeretic666. You can also find him at adamjohnsonuk.bandcamp.com. He is also on iTunes. You can also find him on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adam Johnson Music. And he is on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Adam J Music UK. The comic re- The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your host Uncanny Thomas Logue and astonishing Amy Logue. The comic I don't know why the relief throws me off. I want just want to say podcast. <laughs> The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your host, Uncanny Thomas Logue, and astonishing Amy Logue. <laughs> no, I was going to say Shire, because that's how I always yeah. pronounce it, but it's she are. And then, what did she do after that? So she takes off from there, and then where did she go after that? We literally just saw We just movie. saw this movie. See, do you see how compelling this yeah, movie was how memorable. And then... You don't remember? So then Cyclops finally comes running in, and he's like, Gene! And he goes running to the top of the stairs, and the girl, the evil alien Jessica, is basically saying, give me all your power if you don't think you can do it. No, that's not what happened. Yeah. No. Okay, what happened? Since you didn't remember. So she... (laughs)
Just Deadpool, Deadpool is an X-Men movie, technically. I know, but Deadpool's in its own category. It is. You um, like Deadpool because Ryan Reynolds. Well, I think Deadpool's hilarious, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry it wasn't super, super exciting this week, but the movie wasn't super, super exciting. <laughs> you wouldn't say it is, quote-unquote, excellent? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>